0: When I learned how to play bass, for instance, I asked everyone I knew that knew how to play bass to give me one lesson. So teach me the thing you know best about bass, and I'll make you whatever you want for dinner. And so I didn't learn bass from one person. I learned it from a lot of people, and I'm so glad that I did. And I think with Tiny Doors, I've done the same thing. There have been a lot of people who know one specific thing, and we trade.
1: Before she began building Tiny Doors ATL, Karen Anderson toured the country, performing in a punk rock band. The big lessons that she learned as a musician play an instrumental role in how she approaches her miniature art.
2: From Atlanta, it's Peach and Prosperity. I'm Jeff, and that's Julia. We tell stories of Atlanta founders as a dad and daughter duo.
1: On today's show, the story of an Atlanta artist whose creativity has captured the curiosity of our city, how a childhood dollhouse influenced her career path, what inspired the launch of Tiny Doors ATL, and how she has turned six-inch-tall doors into destinations for locals and tourists alike.
2: So, let's rewind to when Karen was a kid. Like many of the founders, We've interviewed. Her childhood played a pivotal role in her career path.
0: I had a dollhouse. I had a very '80s dollhouse that was entirely metal. It had this really cool benefit of clay sticking to it, modeling clay. So I threw away all the furniture and made everything out of clay. The carpet, the clock on the wall, the the beds, everything. I was really kind of a purist, and I only wanted them to buy me primary colors and shades. And I made all of the tertiary colors. I made everything myself and really liked like if it was purple, I made that purple. And I wanted to feel that. And I think that it really got me into miniatures and and detail. And I really found I spent a lot of time just kind of pouring over little details and, and enjoying that house. I was more interested in creating the space.
1: Karen pursued her passion for art at home, school, and summer camp, which eventually brought her to Atlanta many years later. So
0: I was the kid who took art classes rather than gym classes as often as I could. And then I went to art school, moved to Atlanta after developing this love of street art because I did drop out of college for a minute. I was in a punk rock band and toured the country for four years and really developed a love of street art while I was there. I wanted to combine all those things.
2: On her creative path, Karen has also drawn inspiration from her hometown.
0: I'm from Ann Arbor, Michigan, and in Ann Arbor, there are fairy doors. They started when I was in my 20s. I wasn't super interested in them, even though I loved that they were miniature, of course, and I loved that they were street art. I don't believe in fairies. Felt exclusive to me. I really like how they're made, and I really like what they represent, that they get people out there and moving, but it didn't feel like it was for me. And so I decided to take that fairy gnome element out of it. It's only there if you want it there. So Tiny Doors is descriptive of exactly what it is. It's Tiny Doors. It's in Atlanta. That's the whole thing. And then you decide if it's fairies, gnomes, or elves, or mice, or anything or nothing. I know for me, the magic in it is looking at a door in Cabbage Town and feeling connected to someone in the Old Fourth Ward. Is feeling that connection, is meeting someone in front of a door rather than spending my time worrying about who's behind it. Tiny Doors ATL
1: are intended as conversation starters.
2: So this seems like a perfect opportunity for a little joke. Ahem. Knock, knock.
1: Who's there?
2: Mustache.
0: Mustache who?
2: I must ask Karen to share the next question.
0: What made me want to start Tiny Doors was, you know, art school kicking me into gear, thinking about context, thinking about, you know, what you want to make and why you want to make it more than anything. And I was inspired by seeing the Krog Tunnel as well and seeing how artists were having a live conversation in a tunnel that I'd never seen anything like it. It's constantly changing and I live really close to it. So I see the change on a daily basis, really intimately involved with that change. And so I made the door there first to show that this is joining a conversation.
1: Covered in graffiti murals, the Crog Street Tunnel links two Atlanta neighborhoods of Cabbage Town and Inman Park. While it spans just 400 feet, it's a pivotal urban campus of self-expression that's constantly evolving in its 106-year history. The tunnel has even earned a stop, along with Tiny Door's ATL on Atlas Obscura's list of cool and unusual things to explore in Atlanta in its curated guide to the world's most wondrous places.
2: So, we can understand why Karen decided to install the first door here in July of 2014 with her friend Sarah Meng. They waited patiently to see how the neighborhood would
0: react thought that the reaction to this project was going to be people were going to paint over the door. People were going to kick it in. I didn't know what was going to happen, but I thought for sure it would, would be a paint over first because it's the Krog Tunnel and that's everything gets painted over. And that didn't happen. Nothing happened for a long time. And I was like, oh, all right, you know, that's fine. And then one day I walked by and there were seven tiny plastic cats in front of the door. And I went, huh? And they were all facing the doors, though they were waiting for someone to come out and feed them. And and I left them there. And slowly the cats one by one disappeared. So I knew someone, maybe just one other person, was paying attention. And then I saw tiny little jack-o'-lanterns in front of the doors and I found a tiny newspaper in front of the doors and tiny box of flying biscuit biscuits things like that and I have a whole drawer of things that I found usually I leave things the things that I have a drawer full of are things that have been there a while that are starting to fall apart so I collect them and then I frame them and and put them up for shows
1: just try searching hashtag tiny doors ATL on Instagram for a glimpse of the many miniature visitors
2: outside door one There are murals that change throughout the year to match this location at the Crog Street Tunnel. And it also changes in another unique way.
0: Lotus Eaters Club, they're animators for Cartoon Network. They were doing free art drops. And I really liked their work. And it turns out they do augmented reality animation. And now one of my doors, I, I worked with them on it, and they did augmented reality and so when you look at the door, door number one, through this free app, it animates. It has four different animations and music. And it is so cool and totally not something I could have thought of or done on my own.
1: Collaborations like this are core to the foundation of how Karen approaches her craft. I
0: applied to do a door near my studio, which is in Reynolds Town on the East Side Extension Trail. And they said, oh, congratulations, you know, your grant has been approved and you're on the west side. And I was like... I can't just go and do it on the West Side without an invitation from them, without them wanting this and their input into this. And that is a way longer process than making something from my neighborhood that I know well. And I thought for sure that the Beltline was going to go, Okay, never mind, you know, because I was ready. I was ready to drop it and go to the West Side when they wanted me to. They didn't. They doubled my grant and helped me book speaking engagements with schools and really sat down with students. I spoke with them, but then I listened to them for a long time and had them draw me what they thought a door that they could literally see from their building should look like. So I spoke with two different KIPP academies and lots and lots of students and really got to know what they thought belonged there. And then they all came, both schools came to the opening of the new door. And so that door is totally different than, say, the door at the Aquarium. That I spent a lot of time thinking about fish and not students. You know, they're all super different. But I was proud. I was proud of the Beltline for listening and understanding that it's a totally different process to make something for a different neighborhood for me. I take it really seriously. Which is a very funny thing to do about a seven inch door.
2: From idea to installation, it takes time to plan out each tiny door.
0: The shortest there can possibly be is about three months, maybe two. Usually it's about a year. I drive around people's neighborhoods and take pictures of their doors and I go home and I look at them and I and I walk around the neighborhood. I do talk to people in the neighborhood, but I totally take pictures of doors and kind of make a composite in my head of what I see and what I feel in that neighborhood. When I was working with Grant Park, I asked people in the neighborhood to send me a picture of their favorite Grant Park door. And that ended up being really cool. And I realized that all their doors had windows and I'd never done a door with a window in it before. So I had to totally change my process and really work with my mold maker. The colors, you know, I think about how it is going to feel like it belongs there. So I don't go, let's put a pink door in this neighborhood. I go, what fits here? When you're standing here and you're looking at what can you see? what makes sense, and what's going to feel like it belongs. And I think you do the same thing with the house or with anywhere else. You want it to feel like it belongs there. I decide the design and the look based on the surrounding area. I'm not trying to make, you know, tiny Karen doors, ATL. <laughs> Otherwise, they'd all just be pink and sparkly. I make them based on the architecture and the feeling of the neighborhood that's around it. So when I'm designing a door for Grant Park, I'm looking at what the doors in Grant Park look like. And I want people to look at the door and feel like it belongs to them feel like it belongs there and like it's their door the doors do better and they're much better received if they can be perceived as a blank canvas for your imagination and not as though it's an entrance to someone else's house it's an entrance to your own imagination so i design with that in mind the entire time so it makes perfect sense
1: for a tiny door atl to live inside little shop of stories a bookstore on decatur square where it's accompanied by its very own tiny bookcase
2: And for another Tiny Door ATL to be outside the Center for Puppetry Arts, home to Big Bird, Kermit, and many others. Judy, do you remember Big Bird?
1: I sure do. I was a fan. To keep that sense of wonder, we don't want to spoil all the Tiny Door locations for you because it's quite an amazing feeling to stumble upon a Tiny Door like we did on the Beltline earlier this year. Check out our Instagram for the photo op outside Paris-en-Ponce, a unique decor and antique store of surprise and delight that lines up with the Beltline.
2: Okay, here's a quiz for everyone. How many tiny doors are out there? There are 14 public tiny doors to discover. There are also several doors hidden inside schools throughout Atlanta.
0: When they want a door for their school, which I don't do public doors for schools. I only do it internally for the students. I show them the process. I show them what, what I think about, which isn't what's important to me. It's what's important to all of us. I ask the students to draw a door. And when I do that, there's almost always an overarching theme, something the students just inherently know about the school that they draw. And I pull that out and make something based on their vision of what a door for their school would look like.
1: To support the Tiny Doors ETL project, Karen takes on commissions.
0: You know, I wasn't sure how I was going to fund this project. And there have been a few ways that I've tried and pieced it all together, but really pursuing my own passion. My passion is not fundraising. Fundraising is the passion for very few people. and I'm I'm not one of those people. What I like to do is make art. And so making art and raising funds at the same time has been how I found a way to do it. Businesses reach out and they want something. They don't really know what, usually. They go, we want to work with you. We don't know what we want to do. And we talk about how I can do the same for their company that I do for a neighborhood. So I go in, get to know them, make something that is reflective of their culture. And that's what I do for many businesses. I've worked with MailChimp. I've worked with Marriott. I've worked with Wolfgang Puck and Coca-Cola and other companies. And it's just been cool to get to know them and make something that's respectful of their culture and reflective of what's cool about it.
2: Local businesses and nonprofits help put the ATL in Tiny Doors ATL
0: a class at C4 Atlanta on you know how to get started as an artist and how to how to do your books. It was so a financial class for artists. And I met a woman who is an artist and she said, oh, I make molds. I make puppets and I make molds. If you ever need a mold made of a tiny door, let me know. And I was like, okay, thanks. And then a door got smashed in and then I needed a mold like the next day. So now she makes a mold for every single door. So every door you see on the street, She makes a mold and then a cast. So it's a replica of a wooden creation of mine. Every single one. So there isn't a wooden door anywhere in Atlanta. They just look like wood. But in fact, Rachel, who I met at this financial planning for artists meeting, is now so integral. Such an important part of the process. There have been a lot of people who know one specific thing. And we trade. You know, I have a friend, Manu, who started Your Social Team, who has really helped me with understanding Instagram. I still run the Instagram, but she's given me so many tools and she continues to host classes and teach me. Now we've hosted a class together. She still knows a thousand times more than I do. So there are people I look to for different things. My wife founded a nonprofit organization, so she's been really helpful in teaching me how to to keep it together, to stay on mission, you know, to fundraise, things like that. And I try to look wherever I can. I wouldn't say that there's one specific mentor, but a lot of really awesome people who have helped out with what they know best.
1: These people, their pets, and miniature figurines contribute to the conversation starter vision that Karen set out to spark with this
0: project. When I'm sitting on the Beltline and working, I hear people say all kinds of things about the project, whether they're to me or not to me. And they make me feel Some of them make me feel inspired. One of the things that I love to hear is when people say, oh yeah, you know, my family came to visit from Germany and we went and saw all the doors. And that makes me feel so, so happy and so inspired because you want to show people who come to visit you what's best, what you think is unique and special about your town. You know, you're going to take them some to somewhere and go, look at this thing, you don't have this and this is cool. And so to be on that list is something that I really, and I enjoy meeting people who tell me about that. I like meeting people who tell me about their dollhouse. I love to talk about that. (laughs) You know, people go, oh yeah, the tiny doors, they're everywhere. They're all over Atlanta. And they're not. They take up about as much square footage as a kitchen table. It's, I think at this point, about 15 square feet. And so I had to learn to respect that and go, oh, the everywhere isn't a fact. It's a feeling. You see it on Instagram, and so you feel like it's everywhere.
2: Many conversations happen spontaneously, but a few have been at some special events.
0: So, you know, having a birthday party for a tiny door was kind of a, an odd move. <laughs> the first year that I did it was kind of like, oh, it's, it's a year old. And my friend Sarah and I were like, maybe let's just get folding tables and cupcakes and go stand by the door. And that's what we did. It was the end of July. It was hot there were flies everywhere and a bunch of people came. (laughs) We were like, wait a minute, people want to come to a birthday party for a tiny door. And that was a year into the project. You know, I still had another full-time job, no idea what was coming. And it was, that was my first clue that people might want to participate in this super nerdy thing that I love so much, but had no assumption that anyone else would love it. The second year I did it at a coffee shop in East Atlanta, and that ended up being pretty crowded, but really fun. I had a bunch of vendors, and what I offered there was, you know, free or $20 tables to artists that I liked and wanted to work with and wanted to bring in, to introduce to my crowd. So I kept that tradition going the next year and did a block party um, with the IndieCraft Experience Space in Candler Park and a couple other venues that were over there. That was super fun, also with local vendors, so kind of an art market and a maker area. And then... This year, we did a farmer's market in East Atlanta Village. So that's also different locations in Atlanta that have, you know, I, I don't hold it at the same place. And it's different. So it's different people every time. Some people go to every party, but sometimes it's just in their neighborhood, so they go. And I like that aspect of it, too. And this year, we
1: attended one of the celebrations where guests could taste tiny tacos, make tiny party hats, and it included a very big, tiny surprise.
0: Talk about mind blower. It just totally like, so it's a tiny key to the city. And I guess it's the first tiny key to the city of Atlanta that they've ever done. They had it 3D printed and it's just a huge honor. I don't know what it opens though. It might open Chick-fil-A on Sunday. I haven't tried, but I'm still trying to figure it out. Let me know if you know.
2: Until we find out, we just had to ask as much as we want to keep Tiny Doors ATL to our city, would Karen consider other cities?
0: You know, my interest is in making something that is a love letter to Atlanta, that is about this city, that's about respecting and reflecting Atlanta. And also, it is a bear to keep up with. It is a lot of work, at least 10 hours a week, usually, of maintaining the doors. The Rainbow Door takes a lot of maintenance. It gets constantly tagged and destroyed. And, you know, that's something that I do, and I do it pretty quietly because I don't want to make the story of these doors the story of vandalism, because that's not the story. But it is the story if you don't maintain them. And so I see people in cities around the world who they go, oh, that's so cute. I want to do that in my city. And so they just do it. And then within a week, the story becomes, oh, some bad people are bad. People vandalize, you know, and that it's you left the neighborhood worse than you found it. And that makes me terribly sad. I try to honor that that's the reality, that that will happen. If you put a door up, someone will mess with it. And so you have to be ready to fix it or not do it. So yes, I would expand, but only to mentor other people getting started, people who are going to take care of it, people who are making it about their city. That would interest me, but not, I'm not into just tagging a city with a bunch of doors and then walking away.
2: Creating Tiny Doors in Atlanta has deepened her connection to this city.
0: I love Atlanta so much, and and Tiny Doors has really made Atlanta my home because what a huge honor to have neighborhoods reach out and want to show me what's best about their neighborhood. I can't even describe to you how, how honored I am by that. You know, Grant Park wanting to go, here's what's great about Grant Park, and then I fall even more in love with Atlanta every time someone applies for a door because they're showing me the best parts of this city.
1: With her big following, we wondered... How can the community support Tiny Doors ATL? Their landscaping committees for the Tiny
0: Doors That'd be right? so great. I wish there were. <laughs> so the ways they can support this are, you know, to come to events, to to follow the Instagram, to join in when there's something fun. I try to make fun ways that you can join in. You can buy a t-shirt. You could, you know, do things like that. I'll have a Patreon account pretty soon. So that'll be a way that you can support Also, Oh, another way that you can support is if you see a problem at a door, send a photo to any of the social media channels. Send it to Facebook. Send it to Instagram. I need a photo to know what's wrong and what to bring to fix it. But I get a lot of photos in the morning from runners. I just saw this. I will go and fix it right then. If I'm in town, I will. And if I'm not, someone has my supplies and they'll come fix it.
2: Where's the next tiny door ATL going to be?
0: Absolutely. So the doors are right now booked out into mid-next year. That's the whole answer to that question. (laughs) (laughs) Nope.
1: (laughs) Oh, well. We tried. So we'll have to use our imagination for where the next Tiny Door ATL may pop up. We know that Karen is thoughtfully
0: considering her options. I've been listening and just adjusting as much as I can. The struggle for me has been in guiding the project, because opportunities come in. Do you want to do this? Do you want to do that? And I have to go, oh, because every little adjustment changes this project somehow. And I want to keep it true to what it's supposed to be, which is free and public and accessible and whimsical and not about anything other than your own imagination, and
2: for this invitation to be curious about where we live, Atlanteans and our visitors express their gratitude for this Southern hospitality.
1: And here's one more way to show your support. Thanks to our awesome friends at Anchor, our podcast hosts, we now have a support button on our page. And we've decided to pay it forward by gifting funds to Art on the Atlanta Beltline. The seven-mile trail of former railroad tracks, which features art in a variety of mediums, from murals to sculpture to music, and of course, for Tiny Doors ATL.
2: Visit our page, anchor.fm forward slash peachandprosperity, and click support to make a gift between now and September 30th, 2018. We'll pay the proceeds forward to art on the Atlanta Beltline.
1: Thanks for listening to Peach and Prosperity, and special thanks to Pony League for the background music again on this episode.
2: Oh, I love that band. Find us on social to follow along on adventures in between episodes. Give us a review wherever you listen. I know that you get into a certain kind of mood when you're stuck on 85. I know you wanna